0: and so the work of the holy spirit we see how jesus in his ministry he was preparing the people he was preparing his disciples specifically for what was going to happen he kept telling them over and over and over and that, that i'm going to die but don't worry i'm going to come back to life and and each time they just couldn't understand it they couldn't they just maybe blocked it out of their memory but He kept telling them this he kept foretelling his death and his resurrection he also was then foretelling this gift of the holy spirit he was going to give to each person each person that believed would would have this gift of god indwelling in them and so i think the apostles the disciples which are now apostles sent ones they were a little bit confused okay now jesus you're gonna after you rose from the dead now you're gonna set up your kingdom now you're gonna restore israel and Jesus said actually I'm about to leave. And they're like, "What? You just died. <laughs> now you rose. Now now it's time. But now I'm going to leave." But it's actually Jesus Jesus was saying it was better for him to leave for us. And maybe that's hard for us to really believe that. It's harder for Jesus to not be here with us in the flesh. I know I know none of us experienced that like the disciples did. But can you imagine that this going into being with Jesus and then all of a sudden not getting to be with jesus but jesus said it's better it's better for for all of us believers to have the holy spirit with us than with jesus than, than having jesus with us and so jesus his spirit is the holy spirit and we saw last week that the holy spirit helps believers to love and obey god so we have the holy spirit he, he reminds us the truth he reminds us what's right and what's wrong. He reminds us what Jesus said and taught. And that's, that's showing us all those things help us to love and obey God. And so we have this, this gift of the Holy Spirit that, that God has given to believers. And there's a, there's a book by David Jeremiah that's our featured resource this week. And it says, the Holy Spirit is not an idea, not an influence, not some vague mystical force. The Holy Spirit is the Almighty God. He's come to live inside the believer. And a clear understanding and appreciation of his attributes can ignite the passion of every Christian's walk with Christ. So I know sometimes we 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 talk a lot about we, we talk a lot about Jesus and we talk about the Father, but the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity and it's the part that indwells in the lives of believers. If you have trusted Jesus with your life, then you have the Holy Spirit. In dwelling, living in you today we're going to see in our main idea that the holy spirit we saw last week helps believers to love and obey god but now we see that when believers follow jesus together that god draws people to himself so when we have the holy spirit we we follow it we're we're doing what jesus wants us to do following after god and we're doing that in the in community and together and god's drawing people to himself he's drawing us to himself he's drawing other people to himself as well and so we're gonna to see today in Acts chapter 2 what happens and Kenny just referred to it how Peter preached because the, the Holy Spirit so the, the disciples were supposed to wait you know Jesus leaves and Jesus said what are you what, what I want you to do is I want you to wait wait into the city for the Holy Spirit to come on you and he's gonna give you power and so the disciples we know that there was 500 that saw Jesus resurrected. But on that night or on that day that they were that the Holy Spirit came there was said it was 120 in that room. So I don't know what happened to the other 380. I don't know if they were like in different places or they were or just getting kind of tired of waiting. But 120 people were there. 120 people received the gift of the Holy Spirit, it is a, He is a gift, I mean, He's poured out to every believer. And so then then people are like, "Hey, what's happening?" Because they hear all these people talking in all kinds of different languages, like, "How can these How can these guys know my language from a, di- a different country?" And they're like, "Oh, there's, there's so much. This is just the people must just be drunk." And so <clears throat> Peter realizes that need to address the people need to address what's happening here because something really special is happening. Something really unique is something really good. Something divine is happening. And so he gets up and he addresses this crowd in Acts 2. And he, he wanted to make sure that people didn't think that the Holy Spirit was bringing chaos, but was bringing clarity. It was bringing uh, the Spirit of God to them. So we've seen that before. When there's chaos and there's confusion, then when God shows up and when, when people understand who God is, then he brings clarity. And so that's what Peter was doing. He was bringing clarity and he was really just going through what was happening, how God had predicted through the prophets of this Holy Spirit that was coming. And then at the end of this address, starting in verse 36, he gives this challenge. And he says this. He says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, so everybody know this, he's saying. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. This Jesus, this Jesus who was dead, is alive. And this Jesus, isn't, he's not just the Messiah, he's also the Lord, he's reigning. He is in heaven now, reigning. And someday, and someday he's going to reign this earth in a, in a completely different way in an awesome way that has never happened before. And, and so Jesus, is he's the Lord and Messiah. He's the one that people have been waiting for for thousands of years. But he's also the Lord. Then it says this in uh, verse 37. It says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Say, cut to the heart. Let's try that again. Cut to the heart. Okay, because that's important. Cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart. The people, they heard this. They didn't know what to do, but they were cut to the heart. And they said, Peter, what shall we do? When you're cut to the heart, when you've been convicted, there's a response that's needed. What do we do? And that's what the people said. What do we do? What do we do? It says in Hebrews 4.12 that, that the Word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. When we've been cut to the heart by the Word of God, there's, there's a change that has to happen. There's a change that has to happen. So let's see what they did. It says, Peter Peter replied in verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promise for you and your children and all those who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourself from this corrupt generation. And those that accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So Peter is pleading with these people. You've been cut to the heart, so then God wants to change your heart. God wants to give you a new heart. But he's not going to force it. God's not forcing himself on anyone. When When you've been cut to the heart, you have a choice. You can't stay the same. When you find out That you have cancer or you have something terrible do you trust the surgeon to take it out or say i'm good we'll just see if see if this goes away you you have a choice to to accept or reject do you, you have a choice to trust the surgeon peter was saying trust the surgeon trust god repent and believe Jesus kept preaching, and he started his ministry by saying, repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe. Change your, your life. You can't stay the same. Now, I know there were some, we don't know how many people were in the crowd that day. It says 3,000 were baptized, but we don't know how many weren't. We don't know how many people were like, well, that's good for them, not for me. But they're, they're, cha- they're changed in some way. Are they going to accept Jesus or are they not? Maybe those those people that heard, maybe they later accepted Jesus later on. But when Jesus, because Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he moves people. He he brings his Spirit to move people to repent. And, and, And the Holy Spirit, that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit brings people to their knees the Holy Spirit brings people to repentance because you can't stay the same once you've encountered Jesus when you know the author of life that changes your life and so people repent but is he your Lord because Peter said he's both Lord and Messiah but is he your Lord Have you been cut to the heart? Have you repented? Have you changed? Have you let the Holy Spirit move you to repentance? So 3,000 were added to their number. And then it says in verse 42 what they did. These people, they were so excited because they had the Holy Spirit. These people, so about 3,000 plus 120... They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, can you imagine this? These people, they were living all out for God. They weren't holding back. What they wanted to do is they, they had a hunger and thirst for, for what God was doing. And so what they were doing is they were, they were all about well, the apostles. What they were talking about was what Jesus had been saying. Jesus, Jesus had just told his disciples to go into all nations and preach the gospel. He told them to tell people about him And so that's what they started in Jerusalem doing. They started telling people about him, about his life, about his teaching, about his ministry, about his healing. They they were just telling the people story after story, teaching after teaching. And I'm sure they were explaining some of the parables that they had been explained to. They were telling the people and the people were just eating it up. They were so hungry to know about God, to know about Jesus and what he did. Because Jesus it wasn't just for them. He's for us too. And so his, the apostles' teaching, they were, they were so devoted. They were steadfast on this. But they were also steadfast to fellowship. And I know sometimes we think fellowship, well, what does that mean, fellowship? You know, we have fellowship meals. We have, some people have a fellowship hall. You know, like, what does fellowship mean? You know, you can join a fellowship, of, uh, like a apprenticeship kind of thing. But a fellowship is really having a common goal. These these believers, these new believers, had this common goal that they wanted to know each other. They wanted to know God, and they wanted to grow. They had fellowship together, and listen what they did. They it said they had they were breaking the bread, and they were praying. So breaking of the bread, this this probably refers to not just eating together, but also uh, in most commentaries, it was talking about how. Breaking of bread is referring to the Lord's Supper. They were, they were having the Lord's Supper at communion, remembering the sacrifice of Jesus, remembering that his body was broken for us, that his blood was poured out on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. They were, they were celebrating and remembering Jesus' sacrifice on a regular basis. And it says, and they also were praying. And sometimes I think when we read this, maybe I've read this too, like, oh, they did this and this and this in prayer. Right? Yeah, they were listening to teaching. They were fellowshipping. They were eating together and praying. But I think this, and they, it says, and, and they were devoted to prayer. Are we devoted to prayer? I know these other things we we're really devoted, we can be really devoted to. We can be devoted to good teaching and Bible study. We can be devoted to, to caring for each other. We can be, be devoted to, remembering the Lord's Supper, to eating together. But are we devoted to prayer? The NIV commentary said that the, the Zondervan study Bible said that the prayer is the church's lifeblood. The church's lifeblood. Without prayer, it doesn't work. All these things were happening because of prayer, because they were devoted to prayer. So yes, they were praying and hearing the gospel, the gospel message being preached. Yes, they were praying and they were having fellowship together. Yes, they were praying and they were having, remembering the Lord's Supper and eating together. The Holy Spirit changes how believers live. These people before, they weren't doing these things. But what were they doing now? They were devoted themselves together. They were, they were, and people were seeing. Well, what is happening? Everybody around them—they're they're filled with this, this awe, this, this fear, this, this wonder. What is happening? They were filled with this because they saw what was happening by the apostles, and all the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They had everything in common. They were selling stuff, so that if people had needs, they could. They, those needs will be fulfilled. You know, Jesus here, he's pouring, he poured out his spirit, but then what he was doing was he's having these people, they were growing like a family, like a healthy family, not just, you know, sometimes we think family, we might have had a bad family or a broken family or a hard family, but they were growing like family. They were, you know, a, a, the church is like a healthy family that takes care of each other. When we are taking care of each other, that is so attractive to others. When, we, when we're taking care of each other, we're realizing, hey, there's a need. Hey, there's some people that need their yards raked. Let's get together on a Saturday and do that. Let, there's, there's a need. Let's, let's make sure we can help them. It's not because of out of guilt or like, oh, we probably should do that. But no, because the Holy Spirit is changing the way that believers live. And when, we, when He's changed the way we live, we're like a family. In fact, we are family. Brothers and sisters. Even, even Peter here is talking about brothers and sisters. We are brothers and sisters because we are a family of God. And we're not born into the family of God by just being born. We're born in the family of God by accepting the message of the good news of salvation of Jesus Christ is the only way to God. And our sins separate us from God. And in Jesus, He takes our sin to the cross. He paid the price for our sin. Because of Jesus, we have life and we have access to the Father. We have eternal life. And so we are family. We are family because we all have been in Jesus, in Christ. You know, healthy families take care of each other, and I'm not trying to say my family is always healthy, but I see this often recently, but when a sibling gets hurt, there's someone that runs to the freezer to get an ice pack. When somebody gets hurt and they have to go run to the freezer, hurry, we'll get the ice pack. The ice pack saves the day. But that ice pack, I love it because it shows care. Now, they don't... Don't really need an ice pack every time they get a little injury. But but they're running, like all these kids, they're running to the freezer. Oh, get the ice pack. Help them. They could be like arguing and fighting a few minutes before that. But they get the ice pack when someone gets hurt. But why do they get the ice pack? Because it makes the kid feel better. Why do we help each other? Because that's what healthy people do. They care about each other. They love each other. The Holy Spirit changes us and how we live. That doesn't mean we're perfect people. That doesn't mean we always have it right. In fact, we have a, a lot of it wrong. But we come back to Jesus. Who, who we confess to Him. We confess that we need Jesus not just once a week. Not just every once in a while. We need Jesus and His Spirit every day. All the, all the time. Because the Holy Spirit, it, it, He changes the way we live. It says later in, in Acts 4, and also in chapter 3 and 4 and 5, it's talking about how the, this, these people, they had one mind, one heart. They were sharing t- things together. They were helping each other. They just constantly were, were wanting the best for each other like a family, like a really healthy family. But I wonder, when we read these verses, do we think, wow, that was then that was for those guys that's for people that were fired up for Jesus that can't be for us that's, i mean look we're we're in 2023 we don't share our stuff like that we yeah we can help people in need but we're we're not going to sell all our stuff or we're not you know that's that's for them but let me ask you why do we think that maybe you don't think that i'm just i've thought that but wh- why why can't we be like this church that was on fire for Jesus why can't we care for each other and I'm not, I'm not trying to say we don't we I think I've seen a lot of ways we are but in a, as a whole why are why do we live like that was just for them I think it's possible now because it's not, it's not just because of me or you or the, it's because of the Holy Spirit we have the same spirit that they had the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit changes the way that we live. So are we letting the Holy Spirit change the way we live or are we happy with where we are? So it says that they were sharing things in common. They were blessing each other. They were selling property, making sure people had what they needed. Verse 46, it says, every day they continued together in the temple courts. Notice, not once a week, Not a few times a week. It says every day. I don't know how they did this with their jobs, or I don't know. But they every day somehow they were meeting together. They were meeting together in the temple courts. Remember, just a few weeks before that, the temple courts. What was happening in the temple courts? Anybody yelled out? What was happening in the temple courts? What was being sold? There we go. Amy got it. Selling of animals. Ripping off people with money, money changers. Jesus turns over tables. He makes a whip and drives out the animals. What, why is he doing that? Because he's so fervent that the temple is a place of prayer. And so then what's happening just a few weeks later? The, the temple is a place of prayer. I think that's awesome. The temple, they're, they're meeting together every day to pray. It says they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising god and enjoying the favor of all the people and the lord added to their number daily those who were being saved because they were meeting every day every day more and more people heard the good news of jesus more and more people heard and they saw what was happening, that they were, had glad and sincere hearts, that they were prayerful. They, were, they weren't praying like the Pharisees. God, thank you that I'm so good. No, they were, they were praying out of humility. They were praying together. They were following Jesus together. You know, sometimes people say like, you know, I, I respect how you live. That's good. That's good for you. But the more and more they see, they, they end up, hopefully, they end up wanting that. The, the, the critic might say, I, well, I can respect that. That's for you. That's your truth. That's okay. But the more they see, the more they realize, that is what I want. I want to have the Holy Spirit. Maybe they don't say it like that, but they, they, they realize the Holy Spirit is attractive because we're seeing here that the Holy Spirit attracts unbelievers people that don't know about Jesus the Holy Spirit is bringing to Jesus on a regular basis it says daily there's people being saved daily you know maybe this isn't the best illustration but when you you turn on the light outside some times of the year, I don't know what times of the year is worse, but there's sometimes a lot of bugs that are flying all around. They want to find the light. They're coming to the light. Because, because that light is attractive to bugs. Now the spiders know that too, and they like to, at least at our back, and our, our back light, the spiders like to construct their webs right there because they know that the bugs are flying all around. They attract the light. But why are they so attracted to this light? why are people so attracted to the holy spirit why they're attracted to the holy spirit because they see the holy spirit is good the holy spirit is life the holy spirit gives life and the reason that people see the holy spirit is they see it through they see him through us So are we doing this? Are we are we shining Jesus' light so that people can see? Because the Holy Spirit attracts unbelievers. Are they the Holy Spirit is attractive to unbelievers? But if when people find out how we live, is it a good thing or a bad thing? We want them, we want everyone to see the hope that we have in Jesus. We want people to see that we love each other because we like being around each other. We're we're family. And we make Jesus Lord every day. No matter what happens in the day, we have our hope and trust in Jesus Christ. And in each of these points today, uh, there's things I want to do. I want to move people to repentance and I want to change people, uh, how they live. And I want to attract unbelievers. But guess what? I can't do any of those things. But God can, and His Spirit does. The Holy Spirit moves people to repent. The Holy Spirit changes how believers live. And the Holy Spirit attracts unbelievers because He works through us. So are we surrendered to Him? Are we having joy and sincere hearts and and being glad and praising God together and people see this? Or are they seeing that we're just kind of putting on a show or we're kind of fake about it? Are they seeing the joy in us or, or it's not real. This next generation, they want to see what's real. There's all these stats that are they're showing this that the, the younger generation, they don't they don't buy the fake stuff. They want authentic. They want to they want to be seeing what's real. So we can't do this. But we can be committed to God we can be studying and reading the Bible which it's awesome we've been doing that recently as a, as a church reading the Bible together having a, a goal of fellowship what we're, what we're doing together sharing together remembering God's sacrifice and being in prayer and remember that believers follow Jesus together when we follow Jesus together, which I love, that's on our shirts. When we follow Jesus together, God draws people to himself. We see this through the, all through this story. We see this with, with the people being cut to the heart. They, they were attracted to the Holy Spirit. They were attracted to God. They repented. Even in verse 39, it says, and you'll receive the gift of, the, or, I'm sorry, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse thirty-nine says, "And the promise is for you and your children, and for all those who are far off, all all who will call on the Lord." And and really, it's not just call on the Lord; It's that the Lord is going to call to Himself? If and that's what, uh, looking it up in the, it's it's kind of not just that He's called; we're called to to obey God. We're called to know God. Jesus calls people to Himself. The Spirit calls people to Himself. So the Father is calling people to know Him. He calls people to live differently so people can take care of each other. He calls people to love each other. And this attracts other people to know Jesus. And I know even though it's, it's tempting to try to just figure this out on our own, let's let the Holy Spirit be in charge. Let's let the whole, on a regular basis, we need to commit ourselves to what this Holy Spirit wants to do, not what I want to do. In the same book that I mentioned earlier about David Jeremiah, he quotes, or he says this, Without the Spirit, we're about as useful to God's kingdom as an unplugged toaster. An unplugged toaster is not functional. And there's been times where this happened in our house where we've put the toast in and it goes down. We've waited. Nothing happens because it's not plugged in. But once you plug it in, something happens. Are we plugged in to the Holy Spirit? are we letting the Holy Spirit change us are we letting the Holy Spirit work through us to love people together are we letting the Holy Spirit remind us of God's truth so that we can love and obey God are we letting the Holy Spirit work in us so I want, to, I want each of us to ask this question if you are a believer Will I be useful? Will I be useful like an unplugged toaster or I will let the Holy Spirit work through me? That's a question I want you to wrestle through this week. Maybe ask it every day. Maybe pray it every day. Am I letting the Holy Spirit work through me or am I going to be like the unplugged toaster? And a great prayer then also to pray is we can ask the Holy Spirit to fall afresh on each of us. Because when the Holy Spirit falls afresh on us, He opens our eyes up and changes how we live. Are we living just because we're doing the next thing? Are we living excitedly, with passion, with hope, with joy and sincere hearts? Are we living for Jesus because that's what we've always done? Are we living with excitement for Jesus, seeing what Jesus is doing through His Spirit And if that's something you don't want to do, I can kind of understand that, because that's hard. Do we make Jesus Lord? Do we make Jesus? Do we follow Jesus together and let Him be in charge? Do we let His Spirit work at us in us, even though maybe we don't really want it? So the prayer that we can pray then is, God, sh- just pour out Your Spirit to me. God, help me to believe. Help me to know. How to trust you help me to love you with all my heart help me to show other people how good you are help me be a person that people want to follow after let's pray dear lord we thank you for your spirit that's poured out to us we thank you that god you you give us this gift of yourself this gift that that changes how we live, that is attractive to others. God, I pray that we would be each people that are are moved by you. That others would see us and, and put their trust in Jesus. That others would come to repentance because they've been cut to the heart. God, we pray that your spirit would fall afresh over each of us that we would clearly be united in following you be united in caring for each other be being united in, in the teaching the word and being united in fellowship being united in in remembering your sacrifice and breaking bread together but God we pray especially that we are united in prayer and that we pray what you want us to pray and we pray for your kingdom to come we pray for your will to be done we pray that we would follow you with all our hearts in a community that loves and trusts you and that others would see the light and come to know you jesus we pray this in your name amen